The following is a presentation of the New York Presbyterian Hudson Valley Hospital Center, a better place to get better. Welcome to the Health and Happiness Show with Casey, a weekly presentation with guests, ideas, information, and fun designed to improve your life from 100.7 WHUD. Hi, it's Casey. We've got some great guests for you today, and I am so glad you're here. Play is good for your brain. Sauerkraut is good for your belly. And laughter, that's good for everything. Fran Capo joins the show today as a regular contributor. She's a fast talker who takes it slow when it comes to taking care of herself. Comedian Jane Condon is coming to Hawthorne for a special ladies' night out with the Giordano Foundation. I love that group. And here's to everyone with a bad belly. IBS, bloated bellies, leaky guts, I know who you are. Listen, I used to be one of you. You'll meet a doctor who has your simple solution coming up. But today we start in the classroom. Back to school, my sweeties. Dr. Jennifer Lefevre is following in the footsteps of world-recognized cognitive psychologists Jean Piaget and Lev Vygotsky. Those pioneers studied how children learn, and one belief is how we all learn better through play. Dr. Lefevre is passionate about making sure each child in her class learns in a way that is natural to them. Should you walk by her classroom at the Buchanan Verplank School in Northern Westchester, it may look like chaos to you. But look closer, and you will see that Jen has painstakingly prearranged for the day's lesson, leaving within arm's reach tools for learning disguised as fun. It looks like this. In math, we're doing, um, we're working on measurement, per se. And you would do some measurement activities as a group, and then you would put some materials out. You know, just kind of leave them out on the table or out on, you know, balance scales. And then you just watch them and you ask questions. So they don't always gravitate towards these kind of materials because a lot of times they're going to want to go to the blocks or things like that. But you'll start to see kids go to, like, a balance scale. And they'll take the balance scale and they'll start putting things in. And maybe they'll put a block on one side. And then they start putting crayons in the other side. And now they're looking to see how how many crayons are going to weigh the same as that block? Or if I put in a whole bunch of crayons, now my crayons weigh more, well, how many do I have to take out? And then I can ask questions like, well, what happens if you use a new box of crayons and the crayons are all the same size as opposed to broken crayons? Will you need more or less? Or what else can you use besides crayons? And asking the questions, and what does that mean if the block is on the bottom and the crayons are in the cup on the top? Well, that means the block weighs more, crayons weigh less. And then you put out tape measures and rulers, and then you start seeing them measure each other, and then they start, you know, putting sticky notes up on the wall to measure who, you know, Sally is this tall, Billy is this tall. Put the materials out, and then you watch and see who's interested, and then you engage them in conversation and ask questions. Things like even like, I wonder, I wonder if the block that's shaped like a square would be as heavy as a block that's shaped like a rectangle. And and then you know you kind of say things out loud, see what they do. It's not telling them take these two blocks, do this, do that. It's asking the questions and then getting them to wonder, so what do you wonder about? What do you, what's something that you think we could do? And so, again, it's that conversation and just directing it in a way, not saying we're going to do this, but what do you think? How can we do this? How can we look at something different? You sneaky little devil, you. <laughs> they don't even know they're learning. Exactly. If you do a good job, that's exactly it. A lot of it is giving up control. And that's, I think, a hard part for teachers. Ah. A lot of it is you have to kind of give up a lot of the control in the classroom. And you're not giving up total control, but you are giving up a lot of, you're not the the stage on the stage anymore, to say type of thing. But it takes a lot of pre-planning. So I think a lot of people don't realize how much work goes into 
creating a classroom that supports play. So, it's a lot of the behind the scenes. Yeah, so you said you're no longer the sage on stage? Yes, so you're not the person giving all the, you know, you're not doing all the talking, all the information. You're letting the children discover. And it's a fine, it's a balance because you can't let them go out and do, and you're not involved with that. And you're just, they're just discovering things because a lot of times they're going to discover things that are wrong. Sure. They're going to, going to measure something and say, oh, this is how you do it. And they're not doing it correctly. So it's, you're there. You're in, you're in control, but it, it looks like you're not in control. It's a hard concept, I think, for a lot of people because it feels like they're giving everything up and letting the children, you know, kind of take over and do whatever they want. And that's not the case. It's, you know, guiding, putting the materials out in a certain way. It's asking questions. It's talking. It's, it's conversation. It's really what it comes down to, knowing where you want them to go. You don't meet many kindergarten teachers who have a, a doctorate degree. True. And I love learning. And I went for a second master's for an administrative degree. I personally was getting more involved in the gym, doing boxing, made the connection between physical activity and learning. I always did better reading my textbooks, things like that. I remember things better when I read them at the gym. And yeah. that kind of, yes. Okay, so you were yeah. a boxing student going for your doctorate, and you, re- you found the connection between play and learning. Yes, and then I started researching it and found that it was not, a, it was not just a phenomenon for me, but many other people, and my, that's pretty much how my dissertation topic began. I used to bring my notes to my uh, primary advisor on paper towels from the gym. Wow. And she, she used to laugh, and I would come in with all my notes written on paper towels because I would be riding the bike or in the boxing room, and something would click, and i just have to write it down. And I get it. I get it. Yes. All right. So I, was, I was a very different doctoral student than most. I would say so. So you found the connection there, and now you're finding the connection with children every day. Usually, right. when kids get to school, they hear, all right, it's no time for play now. No time right. for play. It's time to get serious and do our work. You come at it from a different angle. Absolutely. Um, actually, I've had a few students over the years who probably were my catalyst for doing this. They, No matter what I did with them in the classroom, it didn't work. So we had to approach it differently just for what they needed. And the more I looked at it and the more I researched, I realized it wasn't just one or two students. It were more and more students who benefited from, you know, using play. So it's just having that philosophy and that approach. So we do have to do things that are, you know, you got to sit down and do your work because that's what we have to do for state assessments and, and certain curriculum things. But you're, there's a lot of flexibility, especially in kindergarten, to be able to approach the learning in a game format, in a play format. And it's really if the teacher has that philosophy and that belief, then they're able to incorporate it. So right. there are times when you have to be more focused, but it's really more of the mindset. I have the room set up to encourage the play. And in the beginning, I kind of watch and see who can actually play and who can't play because we have a lot of children coming in who don't know how to play. They've never had a block of time where they had to kind of entertain themselves. So it can be really difficult. So during that time, that becomes a sacred time in my room where I'm not assessing kids. I'm not doing paperwork. I'm not doing anything else. I'm there with them. And I'm sitting on the floor playing. If I see somebody who's not really sure what to do with something, I might pull over materials, a game, toys, and say, oh, wow, look at this. This is what we can do with this. What do you think? What else do you think we can do with this? And I'm facilitating the conversation. I'm facilitating between children. A lot of kids come into kindergarten still at that parallel play stage where they'll play next to somebody, but they're not engaging at all and not talking. Mm. So that's what we're really pushing. We're pushing for those social skills as well as the academic skills. You know, a lot of people look at it as, oh, this is a great time to pull kids to do assessment, to do response to intervention, but I won't touch that time for that. 
I have to be involved, um, you know, and then the children also know play is important. So I can see when you said, you know, parallel play, two kids, the, the image popped in my mind, two kids mm-hmm. playing next to each other. And I can see how you can learn social skills when two kids or more start to play together. But how can there be kids who get to kindergarten and don't know how to play? It's really our, our society now. They're not outside playing. They're not left to their own devices. They're, they're always programmed. You know, they have cla- dance class, this class, that class. The toys are so realistic. They're not using their imagination. So that, that's pretty much what I'm, what I'm kind of teaching a lot is that we can take a block. What can we do with the blocks? The blocks are just plain old wooden blocks. And how can we build? with them, what can we make with them, and using our imagination, and that's a lot of the teaching. And then a lot of children are coming in who have disabilities in social skills, and that's another piece that we have to kind of address, and being able to share, being able to communicate with each other, knowing how to take turns. So it's a lot of teaching on those social skills, and they're, they're life skills. Do you ever tell parents your kids need to play more? Absolutely. And at uh, our Meet the Teacher Night every year, I tell them, this is my philosophy, this is what I do. You're not going to see your children on the computer in my classroom. I use the smart board for whole group lessons, things like that. But at this age, they shouldn't be sitting in front of a tablet or a computer with screen time. They need to be with each other. They need to be playing with blocks, with Legos, on the floor, doing puzzles. And so far, I've had nothing but positive responses from the parents. Dr. Jennifer Lefevre, kindergarten teacher at the Buchanan for Plank School. And as the new school year begins, we salute the teachers and administrators who really go above and beyond when they have our children's best interests at heart. And Dr. Jennifer Lefevre is one of those. As her card reads, play to learn, and childhood is a journey, not a race. So make time for play. And gratitude. That's next. This is the Health and Happiness Show with Casey on 100.7 WHUD. If you have a question or need more information about things you've heard on the show, email kcradio at gmail.com. The Health and Happiness Show. Information, fun, and inspiration. is an award-winning Hudson Valley Hospital get even better? It teams up with the number one hospital in New York. Hudson Valley Hospital is now part of New York Presbyterian, and with our new name comes new possibilities. New York Presbyterian Hudson Valley Hospital now has expanded clinical services previously not available in the Hudson Valley, and easy access to the expertise and resources of New York Presbyterian in Manhattan. Visit nyp.org slash Hudson Valley to learn more about the amazing things happening here. Hi, this is Fran Capo, adventurer, comedian, and author of Hopeville, the City of Light, which gives the 44 secrets of happiness. Here's one of those secrets. Every morning before you get out of bed, think of one new thing or person you are grateful for. Take an extra 30 seconds before you open your eyes. Connect with your heart and find one new thing or person to be grateful for every day of the week. After a year, you will have 365 things you're grateful for. That's a lot of gratefulness. Then take it one step further. If you are grateful for someone in your life, text them and start their day off right too. Come on, I know you could do it. It only takes a few seconds and you'll see how good it feels. Okay, I gotta go. I have a bunch of people I need to text. I'm Fran Capo. I'm also the world's fastest talking woman, but I take it slow when it comes to creating happiness. Find out more at francapo.com. See how slow I said that? Hi, I'm Nick Jonas, and I'm here to tell you about Think It Up, a new initiative that will activate student-powered, teacher-led learning projects. 
Think It Up empowers students to work together with their teachers to design projects harnessing their passions. Let's support the students and teachers whose work today will innovate our world tomorrow. Students and teachers, how can you spark great learning experiences in your classrooms? Think It Up. Join us at thinkitup.org. Hi, it's Casey. Raise your hand if you get lots of belly aches or know someone who does. I swear I spent a good portion of my life thinking that was natural until I found a plan that straightened out all the IBS issues that so many men and women struggle with. I want you to meet a true expert, Dr. Robin Chutkan, studied at Yale and Columbia and is a faculty member at Georgetown University Hospital. She is a founder of the Digestive Center for Women and author, too, of Gut Bliss. You can find more at gutbliss.com. Her new book is The Microbiome Solution, A Radical New Way to Heal Your Body from the Inside Out. Dr. Robin Chutkan, how did our bellies get so messed up? Is it strictly diet? A large part of it is our diet. And, you know, Hippocrates said it much better than I could have thousands of years ago. All disease begins in the gut. So let's talk about why. When you think about the GI tract, it's a 30-foot-long tube, hollow tube, tube that runs from your mouth continuously down through your anus. When things are inside your gut, they're not really inside your body. They're in this hollow tube like tunnel that burrows through the center of your body. So the whole point of the gut is to process the food so that the nutrients can get absorbed into your body through the lining of the gut, into the bloodstream, carried to the different organs and cells that need them. And that waste products, whether it's dead bacteria, toxins, viruses, large undigested food particles, whatever needs to be kept out is kept out of the body in the gut. So the gut is like its own little sewer system, if you will. And what is happening is that there are so many things that really threaten the integrity of the gut lining. So if you think of it as a fishing net with very small holes, so many things make big dents in the net and create big holes that allow viruses, large undigested food particles that aren't completely processed, toxins and food, things like that, to get through the net get into our bloodstream, and when they get into our bloodstream, they travel to distant parts of the body, and often our body doesn't know what to do with it. So it triggers our immune system. The body starts reacting, and that's why things that emanate in the gut have these broad-reaching effects on the brain and the skin and the joints and the heart and all different parts of the body because their portal of entry to the body is through the gut. So what are the kinds of things that damage a gut lining? Well, antibiotics, number one, because they kill off droves of the good, healthy bacteria that help to maintain the lining. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, things containing ibuprofen like Advil, Anacin Aleve, drugs like that, because they literally make holes in the net. I mean, when you take a bunch of ibuprofen, you get an ulcer, which happens fairly commonly, That ulcer is a big hole. It's a big hole that I can see with my endoscope when I do endoscopy on you to figure out why you're having pain, and I see this big hole. It's an ulcer. But we have microscopic holes that develop, and that's what leaky gut is, really. It is is an increase in the permeability of the lining because these little tiny holes that are meant to filter just the right particles get big, and all kinds of inappropriate stuff gets through. Hormones can do it. Acid blockers that change the pH of the gut lining, that also also affects the integrity of the gut lining. So there's so many things in our medicine cabinet. There's so many things in our food 
There's so many things in the stuff we eat that masquerades as food that are really chemicals. Um, and so there are all kinds of threat to the gut lining. And again, it is an entry, it is a portal of entry for how stuff gets into your body. It gets into your body through the skin and through the digestive tract. No one has ever said it better. Robin Chutkane, Dr. Robin Chutkane. The book is The Microbiome Solution, A Radical New Way to Heal Your Body from the Inside Out. And that's exactly what I did. It was before your book came out, but I'm looking at your book and I've changed my diet along to the guidelines that you lay out, including um, for a while there when I was really not well, I was eating um, fermented food every day. Yes. Wonderful. Fermented foods, first of all, congratulations on figuring it out yourself because I think that's a situation so many of us find ourselves in. I mean, conventional medicine is great if you, you know, have cancer, broken bone, having a heart attack, but in terms of how to be well, I was never taught wellness in medical school, and I went to the best institutions. You know, I trained at Columbia. I did my GI fellowship at Mount Sinai. I've been on faculty at Georgetown. Those are great places to be if you're sick and you have a sort of conventional disease. But if you're looking to be well and if you're looking to heal yourself from things like leaky gut and small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and so on, there is a lot of sort of do-it-yourself medicine. And I am very much in favor of empowering the average person to reclaim their health, to be a good advocate for yourself. Fermented foods are, again, a wonderful twofer because not only does something like sauerkraut provide fiber, which is a preferred food of gut bacteria, plant fiber, but the fermentation process also produces a lot of live bacteria. So you're getting fiber to feed your gut bacteria and you're getting extra live bacteria to enhance your population of gut bacteria. So this is why fermented foods are so powerful. If you have a stomach ache all the time, if someone told you, if your doctor told you you have IBS or leaky gut or you're blood loaded all the time. You must pick up this book, The Microbiome Solution by Dr. Robin Chutkane. And I'm hoping, she also wrote Gut Bliss, by the way, and I'm hoping you have a website. I do. It's gutbliss.com. Nothing better than a happy belly. Absolutely. Gutbliss.com. If you would like to be entered in the drawing to win the new book by Dr. Robert Chutkan called The Microbiome Solution, you can email me at kcradio at gmail.com. That's K-A-C-E-Y radio at gmail.com. Laughter. That's the best medicine. We've got that for you coming up. This is the Health and Happiness Show with Casey on 100.7 WHUD. Find out more and listen to previous shows online at kcradio.com. Hi, I'm Avina. I'm seven years old and I'm blind. I love gymnastics, piano, public speaking, and riding on the trail bike with my dad. You can help me live the life I want. Help Ravina and other blind people by making a tax-deductible donation of your used car, truck, or almost anything with wheels to the National Federation of the Blind. Your donation will help ensure a brighter future for blind children and adults. Just call 855-659-9314. That's 855-659-9314. Or visit carshelpingtheblind.org. That's carshelpingtheblind.org. We will arrange to have the donated vehicle picked up and provide you with a tax-deductible receipt. And if you know someone who is blind that can use our help, email nfb at nfb.org. Blindness does not hold me back at all. Donate today. Hi, it's Casey. Virginia Giordano lost her sister several years ago, and she created a foundation in her sister's honor to celebrate and support all women 
The Barbara Giordano Foundation. They're always running fabulous programs to uplift, inspire, and educate. And they also host an annual fundraiser for Support Connection. Support Connection is a nonprofit for women and families dealing with breast and ovarian cancer. This year's fundraiser is Thursday, September 17th. It's in Hawthorne. And Jane Condon, comedian, will be performing that night. She's come to be a fan of Virginia Giordano's work. And I love how she's including laughter now in the whole wellness idea because um, I don't think we get enough attention. For, you know, we boost the immune system, we release endorphins, protect the heart by increasing blood flow, relax the body. I think, actually, I think the main thing comedians do is we make people forget for half an hour. Right. You know, that, that's because the other thing I, I say sometimes when people have me do motivational speeches, and they're like, really? You think I could? I, don't, I can't motivate anybody. But what I do tell them is just, you know, honestly, everybody has problems. Everybody. And if you see what you think is the perfect family, just trust me, they just hide their problems really well. Indeed. You know, it, every, nobody gets out of this without a scraped knee. Ab- absolutely true. You know, and what you said about comics, how uh, you make people forget, and it's in yeah. that forgetting. When you're yeah. laughing at someone on stage for that half hour, it's yeah. in that forgetting when you right. put your burden down. Yeah. That's oh, that's a lovely way to say. Can I steal that? Steal I love it. that expression. Take it. Put your burden down. When you down. put yes. it down, that's when the yes. miracle can happen. That Giordano Foundation, a very interesting. What a great concept about women's wellness and good health. And they even give a free meditation class, so that's cool. I think everybody should look them up and just go for that. My meditations, I exercise. I like. I really try to do it every day. Really. And and that changes my attitude. I figure my dad died when I was fifteen. One of the many reasons I. Do comedy, and I did learn then that life is short. And the only other thing I know in life is that uh, the only thing you can choose is your attitude. You can't choose your circumstances; you can just choose how you react to things. Good and advice, Jane Condon, yeah. indeed. Yeah, I like to be a glasses half full person. You know, it's not normal to go on stage, right? And um, I mean, I do like the attention, the youngest of four, um, but it's not quite normal. So what I do is before I go on stage or after, I give myself a little package of Fig Newtons. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just my little reward. Like if you will do this ridiculous thing that most people who are normal are afraid to do and normal and well-adjusted, I might say. I, I'm a late bloomer too. I, I only started comedy when I was 37 and I I, it was my, my. It's not. This is not the usual comedian trajectory. I, I. It was my son's nursery school fundraiser. I got up on the picnic table, plastic Fisher Price picnic table, started telling jokes. And one of the dads, Swedish dad, came up to me afterwards and said, "I thought you were just drunken housewife." <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was the beginning. And she hasn't stopped since. That's Jane Condon. See her September 17th at Stone Manor in Hawthorne. You'll have a great dinner. You'll have a lot of laughs. It's presented by the Giordano Foundation. It's a fundraiser for Support Connection. So win, win, win. Visit GiordanoFoundation.org for more. Thank you for tuning in. You know, you can always catch the podcast at iTunes, SoundCloud, and CaseyRadio.com. Have a great week. You've been listening to The Health and Happiness Show with Casey. The content of The Health and Happiness Show is intended for general information purposes only. The Health and Happiness Show is a presentation of the New York Presbyterian Hudson Valley Hospital Center. You can listen to previously broadcast shows online at caseyradio.com. Join Casey for another edition of The Health and Happiness Show next Sunday morning on 100.7 WHUD.